It's a beautiful day to make music A beautiful day to write songs A beautiful day to talk about music All the things that goes on In the mind of the one who makes the songs In the mind of the one who listens to the songs I love Composer Quest Welcome to the Season 2 finale of Composer Quest. I'm your composer host in Minneapolis, Charlie McCarran. And this podcast is full of interviews with talented songwriters and composers. My goal is to give you new ideas and advice to help you in your own creative journey. You can find all the episodes at ComposerQuest.com. It's been a really fun year, and like last year, I'm taking summer off for four main reasons. One, it's summer, and I want a summer vacation like when I was a kid. Two... My house has no air conditioning, and I wouldn't want to make my guests suffer through that. And three, my hand has developed a twitch from all the editing I do. But most importantly, I just want to compose some more, and so I'll get a chance to this summer. The podcast won't be completely dormant this summer, because I'll be posting some music business talks hosted by our friends at the Minnesota Music Coalition. Stay tuned by finding Composer Quest on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes or Stitcher. It's a ways away, but I'm getting really excited for our live film score concert. We have around 50 composers and filmmakers signed up, and they're going to create short films and scores that can be performed live by the Composer Quest Orchestra. If you're in Minnesota, mark your calendar. The screening will be on Thursday, August 14th at 7 p.m. at the Landmark Center Auditorium here in St. Paul. If you're interested in composing or making a video, or both, you can still sign up at ComposerQuest.com Quest9. Thanks so much to my patrons for helping support Composer Quest this year. I'm looking forward to our patron Google Hangout in June. If anyone out there is interested in becoming a patron, visit Patreon.com Charlie. There are a few different rewards you can get, one of which is that I write you a personalized jingle. One last bit of exciting news. As my regular listeners know, I have my podcast guests play some songs live in their episodes. Over the past year and a half, we've had some amazing performances, so I decided to put my favorite ones up as a free digital album. It features such hits as Tobacco Road by Reddit sensation Cameron Scott Boster. Well, it's a lonely part of life. That I don't tell anyone about The Bullfrog Opera by Grammy-winning Okie brother Joe Maylander Let's take them to the Bullfrog Opera And the Raccoon's Masquerade Ball Type 2 Diabetes by Paul Spring Potato chip, 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 chip on my shoulder and it grows into a bag as I get older. And a song by today's talented guest, Chris Coza. I've got a letter I need to send. I wish you were a carrier pigeon. Go to composerquest.com slash unplugged to download a copy of the album for free. Now, about today's guest, songwriter Chris Coza. 
This guy had the crazy idea to create four concept albums in one year, one for each season. And somehow he pulled it off with his band Rogue Valley. In our talk, I asked Chris about what he learned from this project, and he shares some great songwriting tips and tricks. We also talk about a GPS-based app he's writing music for, and we talk about how he got his music into the secret life of Walter Mitty. So let's get right into my conversation with Chris Koza. Chris, thanks for being here on the podcast. Thank you for inviting me into yeah. your home and studio. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been checking out your music for four seasons. Yeah. Uh, and that is just a really inspiring project, I think, because, like, the fact that you... Did you complete all four of those albums in the seasons that you were um, writing them for? Well, you know, when you start off with a project, you have all these ideals, and at some point, the deadline may compromise some of those ideals. Some summer songs were written in the winter, and vice versa. Okay. But we, but I, I've tried to take myself to that mental place where I could imagine, you know, springtime when it was 40 below. And What originally gave you the idea for that? To do the four albums... Um, I, I really wanted to do a project that was beyond what I had done before. I've, I'd written songs, I'd made albums, and I wanted to take on something that had a little bit more substance, I think. Uh, something that was like a, a series or like a longer format narrative. And doing songwriting to accomplish this seemed to make the most sense, even though I wanted to... Uh, write a play or write a musical or write a novel I, I haven't had any background doing those things and so not only would that have been a challenge to have completed the project but just to make it good because I know that if, the first time you do something it's terrible and then second time you do it it's like 10% less terrible so I didn't have time to write like seven musicals before I got to the eighth one which would have been not horrible <laughs> at least that's my what I think yeah <laughs> I love the idea of concept albums mm-hmm. in general, and this is like a step beyond that. Like, how how much did you conceptualize like the whole arc of all four albums? I tried to be, you know, loosely detailed is is how I would put it because I I knew that in order to accomplish a task, I would need to create a blueprint for the whole project, and so I started to write down a list of song titles or a list of movements, how the the subject matter was going to flow from you know, one song to the next, from one album to the next. And and I, I really tried to create an arc, uh, you know, for each album and then for the whole uh, four albums together. And I think sometimes that's apparent. Uh, I, I've heard from people that have listened to the albums you know, numerous times in, in sequence that some of these intentional moments that I put in there they've become aware of and I'm like oh you're crazy you listen to that music too much (laughs) (laughs) is there a few characters throughout the albums that kind of carry through or is it a lot you as the character or well I didn't want it to be me I guess somebody like me (laughs) (laughs) a clone or something you know parallel universe um 
I, I there's recurring characters. Uh, the character of the hummingbird recurs throughout. Um, birds in general play an important role because I, I feel like they're what what birds that you see can inform what season it is or what part of the country you're in. So I tried to make that a recurring character, along with other natural elements, different kinds of plants, different uh, kinds of countryside, and how that varies place to place. Other symbols that recur is this a notion of like jewels or jewelry or uh, a letter. I don't know. There's 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 a lot. There's it's, it can get really dorky in a way. But <laughs> but that was I knew that I couldn't write forty six songs that would work together without reusing some of the same imagery and information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I first noticed that with the hummingbird. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you have the song in the first album about spring, yeah. about the hummingbird. Hummingbird, come to my window, I want to know what you know. And then the song Grand Central Station. Yes. In the fall album. Yes. Yeah. That was an interesting. Yes. You have done some notes. I, I did. I took <laughs> some notes. Well, I like that because in that Grand Central Station song, you talk about how this hummingbird made a nest in your pocket. A hummingbird has made a surprising home in the pocket of my coat. Seems like so long ago, I'm not sure now what I wrote. So many stories derailed somewhere on the line. The twisted tracks, the scholar's stacks, the That song is, uh, you know, it's a tying up some loose ends kind of song. Because earlier, the first Hummingbird song is kind of about Portland, Oregon, and about important people. My grandma specifically, but then it's more of just a symbol for that city and relationships that happen there. And so then later, I built a nest in my pocket that's like, I still carry that with me. What did you learn through this process of starting from um, the first album to getting to your last winter album. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you think you changed as a songwriter? I feel like I became more economical, better at identifying which melody ideas or which chord progression ideas are going to work better than others. Also, how important it is, if I'm going to sing the song that I'm writing, to determine the appropriate key for it to be in. Uh, I, f- I felt like I was really able to spend more time with the melodic structure and uh, just become more aware and also objective about the songs I was writing. Because when you have to write a bunch of songs in a short amount of time, you have you can't spend so much time with each one. You have to sort of, oh yeah, uh, this one works, so I'll focus on that one today instead of, oh, I got all these like half ideas and I'm just going to linger 
in their presence for a month and not finish anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I just had to finish stuff, and it was good to have to do that. Yeah. Were you working at the same time at at a regular job? Yeah, or so? yeah I was working at a place called Isles Bun and Coffee. Delicious. <laughs> <laughs> but I had so many long days. It was... I would generally work there from 6 a.m. to 2 or 2.30, and then I'd come home and work on songs or head over to the studio and and work on recording, and pretty much every day was like that. And also during that summer, um, when we were releasing all the albums, I got married, so um, it was a real busy year. It was probably the most potent year that I can think of that I've lived was 2010. Yeah, so much 2011, stuff you slept. 2011. Well, that's why I haven't released anything since <laughs> that project. It's oh, now, yeah. you know, 2014. Well, so, kind of had to take some time to regroup a little bit. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's cool though. That's fun when you're working on a huge project. Yeah, and I feel like having a big concept for the whole project is helpful. And because I've done a concept album also, like oh, a big cool. project and. Yeah, I feel like even if you come up with ideas that you think aren't that great, like you can kind of work them into the concept. I'd, and I don't know. Yeah. Like gives your writing a little more purpose, maybe, than if you're writing individual songs. Yeah. I feel like. But. Yeah, it connects the dots. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. The fabric of songwriting. Mm hmm. <laughs> well, I really liked your composing throughout the albums too and i was going to ask you about a few of them Mm -hmm. maybe like the summer moon struck me as having really interesting chord progressions and like weird things that should sound dissonant i guess but the way you arranged them i I don't know worked really well Yeah, that one was a it was a little bit of an outlier in terms of how it sounds compared to some of the other songs, but I feel like in a big project like that, you have to take some license here and there to not every song can be a a little Americana ditty. It has to it's got to be some moments where things happen. And so like the Moon songs, I wanted them to be their own like little sub album within the four albums. And so when I wrote The Summer Moon, there was a, a full moon in July or August and so I went up to the roof of the apartment building I was staying at and there's a hammock up there and I was just sitting in that mood I'm like I gotta write a song about this moment and just started to play that real dissonant chord that the song starts off with it just felt like it was this creepy lunar siren call kind of song So when you say the Moon songs are a sub-album, does that mean it's like you could listen to all four of those in a row and have something Yeah, cool? all the Moon songs. There's there's 12 Moon songs. Oh, okay. Um, even though the word Moon isn't in the title of all of them because I thought that would be just too much. But all the Moon songs typically have to do with how the full moon that's in each month, the, the kind of qualities that are happening outside during that time. So th- those are a real 
connect the dot time stamp of how the seasons are changing a little bit less drastically than a whole season at a time. So mm. it's mm-hmm. it's like a gradual thing. What's your favorite of those moon of the moon songs. songs? Probably shoulder to shoulder around the fire. That's a moon song. I went on Google or like Wikipedia and I looked at all these different cultures have different folklore names that are given to the full moon of every month. And I feel like maybe it was a, an Eskimo community that called the last moon of winter the shoulder to shoulder around the fire moon because that's when you had to huddle together because it was the coldest. Hmm. What was your process in writing that one? I was feeling really good about having extra beats in a measure of a song to sort of let the vocal linger or let there be a little bit more space. So the meter is a little funky. There's a lot of a uh, 4/4 then 2/4, 4/4, 2/4 happening. Well, I haven't been sleeping. My mind is a constant carousel Where the horses run wild Until the boardwalk ends Each one has a rider and I think I know them I just like the way that the pacing felt and the way that there was more space for some lyrics that I felt were you know more emotional to just sit out there and so the listener could have time even at first listen to to process the the message Mm -hmm. I feel like that's something I've learned a little bit too is like leaving space for lyrics to sink in versus trying to fit everything yeah it doesn't have to be this like tight pop song every time yeah Sometimes it should be, but other times, uh, let's let it breathe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you have any songwriting tricks that would be helpful for people? Tricks. Or tips? Or... Yeah. Well, tips and tricks, I think, are a little bit different. <laughs> <laughs> tips would be like, write songs every day. Yeah. Tricks is like, dang it, I gotta have this song written in an hour and I haven't <laughs> finished it yet. <laughs> um, so tips first I, I think that uh you know it's so easy to to make little demo recordings all the time now with a cell phone but as a songwriter you want to store up those little ideas because those are the ones that uh, that those off-the-cuff kind of subliminal melodies that are being sung or hummed when you when maybe you're not even aware of it those are the ones that is channeling the music that you are naturally going to make you know, over time you can influence that by the practicing and the rehearsing and the kinds of music and media that you put in your mind. But by capturing those moments and by you know working on them and refining them every day, I feel like as a songwriter, you're going to develop your natural voice. And as far as tricks go, if you love the way that an artist sounds, play songs in that style. If that's what you, if that's the kind of song you want to write. Like, yeah, you want to write an Arcade Fire song, listen to Arcade Fire songs, and then pretty much write an Arcade Fire song. <laughs> that's, a tr- that's a trick. And I think, I think that works really well. And I think that sometimes people get into a pattern where the, the music that they're naturally inclined to make is not the same as the kind of music that they really want to make. 
And so you have to cross that divide somehow. And I think the things that I just talked about is a way to do that. Mm-hmm. The song The Color Wheel. Yeah. I also really liked. Cool. Um, That's one of my favorites. Yeah. That one build has such a nice build with the sequences of what your vocals are going up and up. Yeah. <laughs> liked how when you get to the climax of that then the guitar electric guitar comes in with a different rhythm yeah and it's kind of like you don't know exactly where beat one of that is i don't yeah, know sure yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> song came because I was kind of bored with the songs I was writing and so I stopped trying to write chords and I stopped trying to think about melodies and I started to think about one note in front of the next and uh, so I started to work on that little guitar riff that the whole song starts off with the intro just built it like I want to hear it go here and then I want it to be a little bit more thought of summer um, finally arriving and the, the you know how the body and the mind um, remembers what it's like to be young and youthful despite the you know the age that, any, that you might be at any given time I didn't care if it was going to be prog rockish with the way that the transitions happened I wanted it to be cinematic and grandiose If I was a ripping guitar player, then I would have just put this crazy 
rush solo in the middle of it, but I'm not, <laughs> and that's probably for the better. <laughs> yeah. I, I like that about the whole series of albums is they're not really standard form of a pop song, it seems oh, like, good. most of them. Even though they're, they are all like around the three and a half minutes to four minute range, they all have a different kind of flow to them. Yeah. Lyrically, uh, I thought Bottom of the Riverbed was an interesting song. Um, Yeah, is that story from a personal experience or... Yeah, it is. uh, It was the first song that I wrote that ended up being used in all of these, in in the Four Seasons project. So in 2008, I wrote a... I released an album called The Dark Delirious Morning. It's just a solo artist. And then uh, that summer, um, so the my wife at that time we weren't married, and she had graduated from college. She was moving out to New York, and she's like, um, "Do you want to move out to New York?" And I was like, "Well, I might want to move out to New York, but I don't know. Um, I'm working on some stuff out here right now. Let's give it a few months and see." And so, during that time, I think I think that song kind of spoke to the, the stresses of that distance. She said I- I'm close to giving up There's always a trade-off And there's never enough Of you to go around When I need you the most When nothing lasts a long, long time I'll be the wind of summer in retreat You'll be the leaves burning at my That was a, probably the fastest song I ever wrote. It only took about 30 minutes, and I wrote the whole thing. And I was kind of surprised, and I felt like I'd unlocked some new world of songwriting. But, of course, the next one I tried to write took me about a year. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh... So, so I, I think that the lyrics are, are I mean, they're symbolic, but they're they come from a personal place. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting one. I guess I, you could interpret it kind of a few ways as either like a sentiment, a very like heartfelt love song, mm-hmm. and but also like I don't know, kind of like a dark underbelly to it too yeah i don't know <laughs> uh, the dark underbelly is my favorite kind of underbelly I got a fan question for you from Jim Anderson. Okay. Um, Yeah, he's the one who originally recommended that I talk to you, too. Yeah, he's a cool guy. Mm -hmm. Jim was wondering, how did you get your music placed in Walter Mitty, the film? 
Uh, well, I don't know. Somebody somewhere along the line. This is what I can say for certain. Somewhere along the line, Ben Stiller had the music, and he really liked it, and so he made sure it was in the film. Hmm. Well, that's cool. I mean, there's just a, a process of of submitting music to things like that. But uh, you know, when it's in a feature film, it's because somebody likes it personally, not because they're trying to satisfy anybody else's needs or or management. Um, or label agreements. I mean, especially on a passion project like Secret Life of Walter Mitty, that was Ben Stiller's movie. He wanted to make it as good as he as he could. And, uh, I was very excited once I knew that the, the music was going to be in there. Mm-hmm. It took about eight months, though, from the initial inquiry to seeing it on the screen. So there was a long period of time of not knowing whether or not it was going to make the cut. Oh, sure. So I'm glad it did. <laughs> yeah. And... I saw in an article about that that they wanted alternate mixes or like a they wanted your stems yep. so they could mix it how they yep. wanted. So the version that's in the film, it's very different. Like if you're going to play the instrumental track of the song versus the instrumental version that's in the film, it's all jumbled up. I mean, it's it's cut to the scene. I mean, if you know the song, you would recognize it in an instant because all the same melodies and parts are there. They're just a little rearranged, which is fine. And Jose Gonzalez, he did a little bit of overdubbing of his own vocals on that song to supplement our harmony vocal tracks, the ones that Rogue Valley sang. And I think that was mainly just to give the... A lot of the music in the film is from him, and a lot of the oohs and the ahs, the nonverbal singing is his. So I think it was just layered on there to tie it together with the other songs. Yeah, I, I, that, I mean, it did not bother me at all. I thought that was yeah, no, that'd be you know, do what you awesome need to do to at that point. Jose Gonzalez <laughs> on a yeah. track. What do you consider musical success to you? Or oh, I think what, it, what, yeah, I think it's an ongoing definition, something that I have to come back to uh, from time to time because it's easy to feel like there's just one more thing you got to try to grab. And it's it's not you know really material things. It's just even when I'm thinking about the kind of music that I want to make, I want to continue to branch out and grow as an artist and and be able to work on new and exciting and challenging projects and collaborations with other people. When I first started, success was making a three song demo CD on my Hewlett Packard HP Pavilion using a PreSonus preamp and a sm57 and once i did that i'm like success (laughs) and you know before that it's just writing my first song and so i think success the notion of it always changes i feel excited to go to work every day which is to work on music and that is a success too cool so this is kind of your daily my daily um, thing. thing That's why I'm like, sure, Charlie, let's let's get together and do this podcast for a couple hours. <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> why not? I mean that's what that's what it is. I, I feel like you have to just keep doing that thing that you like to do and you know, you never know what something will lead to. But it further defines like every time I do music related stuff, it further defines me that that is who I am as a person and as an artist. So I just wanna do it and be around it all the time. Yeah. So getting your music placed in Walter Mitty and other things like I guess performing so I'm, I'm just wondering like how you are able to sustain yourself as a musician 
because um, well, I think a lot of people want to get to that want point. Want to do that? You have to just do a lot of things. You have to. You have to keep writing songs. You have to, you know, become good at an instrument. Um, I played sideman gigs where I play guitar with other people. I was doing a lot of shows with Lucy Michelle last year in her solo band, and that was a lot of fun. Um, there's a program at Fitzgerald Theater called Wits, and I've been fortunate enough to be able to be on there for a handful of episodes as a guitar guy and as a as a voice actor. Cool. Um, you know, every time a song is used as background music in a in some cable network that's you know twenty two dollars that comes in so all that stuff adds up like creating a diverse system of revenue streams is really important to be able to do this all the time i mean i i am generally always thinking about what kind of task i need to do next so the downside of that is you know being in the here and now is sometimes difficult for me because I'm thinking an hour ahead or a week ahead or a month ahead or a year ahead. You know, I think a lot of people have that kind of a issue with, mm-hmm. with their lives, and that's one of the wonderful things about being human is you predict the future for yourself, mm-hmm. <laughs> or at least think you can. Yeah. So I just I think that if you want to do music, you just have to do it all the time, whether or not somebody's giving you any money for what you're doing. If you don't create that as your identity, then it's going to be really hard to ever make the leap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been thinking about how much we think about f- the future and versus mm-hmm. like living in the moment. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know if you've ever read Eckhart Tolle's books, but he's a really interesting philosopher. Talks about like how happiness comes from the moment yes. versus like the past or the future. So that's why people are so uh, happy when they're eating. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, oh, this moment, I love yeah. this. This pizza is so good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Or playing music. Yeah. I think. I mean, that's where it is. Yeah. Your song, In Real Time, also got me started thinking about that, too. I like that one. Thank you. And what what inspired that one? I was doing a lot of traveling. I was doing uh, solo shows uh, supporting a songwriter named Stephen Kellogg. And I was away from Kate for that time and I'd be away for you know two weeks and then I'd see her for a couple days and then I'd go away and she was doing a lot of traveling for art stuff at that time too so we were kind of missing each other quite a bit and then we would see each other and I got to thinking that there is such a a difference of when you are in the presence of somebody and the reality of that relationship at that space and time versus the notion of a person that can develop and grow in its own way when you're away from somebody. And so the in real the idea of in real time, it's the it's the chorus is now I'm by your side to contend with the fantasy of us. It's really saying, hey, this moment is who we really are, but also this concept that we have of one another is also who we really are. And how does that get balanced out? When I come home, you've gotta tell me
solo uh, album that's going to come out this year oh cool yeah i was going to ask you what your next big project is you know charlie i appreciate you doing some research and wanting to talk about all this stuff that i did instead of the first the first question being what are you doing next because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's so many interviews you like create this work and i'm sure you've experienced this too when talking about your work with other people and you create you spend all this time creating this work and then it's like somebody didn't even know that you did it and they just want to know what you're doing next you're like why does it even matter <laughs> um so anyway thank you that's <laughs> sure. um i appreciate your interview style it's really it's really fun oh well, um cool so i have a, a solo album that's going to come out this year at some point in time the mixes are almost 95 percent done and aside from that i have a, a new rogue valley album that is being recorded we have eight songs tracked we're going in to a place called Humans Win over in northeast Minneapolis to work on another batch of eight songs um, and a couple of other cool, really exciting things that I'm doing. I think they're exciting. Uh, there's a documentary that a local filmmaker has been working on over the last couple of years. It's called Beyond the Divide, and I'm composing and scoring music for that. And then uh, the, the last thing that I'll mention is I have a group of friends who are developing an iPhone app called Leave, and they were awarded a McKnight New Media grant to create this app. And it's kind of a this digital overlay of the city that we live in. Um, and so I'm creating music that you can only access when you're in a certain part of the city. And the music that I'm making is, is it's, a, it's a fairly long series of compositions that circle the chain of lakes in Uptown. Um, and as you go around the lakes... And as it t- changes from day to night, the music changes. So it's like it's like a real-world video game cool. music kind of experience is how I sort of think about it. Cool. How do you get the songs to... Do they f- kind of flow into each other as the day changes? So the way that it's set up is, uh, is this app utilizes GPS technology and also can integrate other things into its algorithm like temperature, uh, speed, time of day, and weather, and pretty much whatever you want. If there's a number that can change, it can incorporate that into its equation. The way that I have it set up is by neighborhood. So as you cross like Hennepin over to the lakes, then the the song changes at, at that spot. And then like when you cross the greenway, the song will change at that spot. So to me, it, it was an easier way to divide up where the songs as a whole would change from one to the next. But within those areas, the songs will kind of, I don't know, flow. Hmm. <laughs> I'm excited to see how it turns out. Yeah. But it'll debut at Northern Spark June 14th. Oh, perfect. Cool. Because yeah. everyone's already going around the city yeah. for that. <clears throat> so how many songs in total will that be? Twelve. Instrumental. Okay. It's all instrumental. instrumental stuff. Cool. It's still a lot of stuff because I have to figure, what if somebody is just sitting by the lake and they aren't moving? How would I make a song? You know, I need to put some effort into making that composition interesting to them, um, not discriminate because they're just sitting around enjoying the the evening as opposed to somebody who's got their earbuds in and they're going for a run and they're running, you know, five-minute miles. 
Yeah, it seems like there's so much you could do with uh, there's that There's too idea. much, too much you can do. And I've, <laughs> I bit off a real big bite, and I'm kind of paying the price now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll see. I think, I, think, I think it'll end up being really cool. Cool. Chris, is there a song you'd want to play for sure. the podcast? And sure, yeah, I'd do one. So since we talked about hummingbirds earlier in the podcast, I'm going to play the song Hummingbird. We have one last challenge for you. Okay, um, bring it on. Lay it on. So, yeah, every episode I ask people to try making a little intro for the podcast episode. Sure. Composer Quest, if anything, inspires you. 
It's a beautiful day to make music A beautiful day to write songs A beautiful day to talk about music All the things that goes on In the mind of the one who makes the songs In the mind of the one who listens to the songs I love Composer Quest Nice. <laughs> so that just popped into your head no it didn't you were sitting here while i toiled <laughs> i mean i had to find <laughs> a starting place like I had to find half a, a minute i had to find a starting place <laughs> and, then, and then you're just like you roll with it and you you roll with it until the train falls off the tracks um well, yeah so so i mean there's so many you could do like a uh i just picked the key of a because that's a good one to just roll with it's a strong key for me so you gotta go, <laughs> kind of go there like a Sitting here, talking with Charlie about music and songs Black 2458 Aldrich I don't know what he said to all the rest But I know I had a really good time on Composer Quest, oh yeah, oh yeah and then if you got no shoes on and you're like Jack Johnson And you're just twinkling your toes in the cold snow So then you, <laughs> I mean, you just gotta start somewhere. You gotta start somewhere. That's <laughs> nice. Well, that was a really fun talk, Chris. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it and thanks for letting me play some songs and um yeah, for asking such great questions and really wanting to have a real conversation about making music. So, yeah. Thank you. That does it for my talk with Chris Coza. What a guy. Two custom Composer Quest themes for the price of one. If you enjoyed Chris's music, make sure to visit chriscoza.com, spelled K O Z A. You can download his four season albums for free at lostinroguevalley.com. I have all the songs from this episode listed in the show notes at composerquest.com slash coza. And also on that page is a bonus video of Chris performing a new song of his right in my living room. Well, that's it for this season of Composer Quest. I hope you're still enjoying the podcast as much as I am. Season 3 is already getting exciting, too. I was contacted recently by a PR person who asked if I would interview the composers behind the TV shows 24, Homeland, Fargo, True Blood, Glee, and so on. So, I think it's a sign that this podcast is building up some steam. But, as much fun as it is interviewing famous people, I also want to keep the show true to its roots of talking with creative people in all stages of their musical careers. I'm curious to hear your feedback about the podcast, what works, what doesn't, and where you'd like to see it go in the future. Feel free to get in touch with me, charlie at composerquest.com. Thanks again to all of you for listening, and I really hope you have a great summer. I'll leave you now with the Rogue Valley song that was featured in The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, called The Wolves and the Ravens. In the morning by the sea As the fog 
clears from the sand. Have no money in my hand. Have no home. I have no land. But it doesn't trouble me as I lay beside the fire. I am easy to inspire. There is little I require. I wasn't yours and you weren't mine. From time to time, we had found a common ground. Your voice was such a welcome sound. How the emptiness would fill with the waves and with your song. People find where they belong. Shade for you. 